Good morning. I'm Pete Myers here with another day of reading the register with Pete. It's Thursday, October 6th, about 9.30 a.m. I'm late recording again uh, because we've kind of had a bombshell. The Dems are eating their own, my friends. Liz Lenz, uh, the Iowa writer, just uh, dunked on every liberal in the state and uh, ran a hit piece on Senate candidate AFRICOM Mike Franken on the same day that uh, he's to have his one and only debate with Chuck Grassley tonight. Liz was able to speak with uh, the woman who months ago had accused Franken, who was at the time her ex-boss of making an advance on her in the Ace Hardware parking lot in Beaverdale, where he, he, uh, she says he kissed her without her consent. She spoke to uh, the accuser who went on the record again, and uh, I believe her. It still sounds completely legitimate. Franken campaign is uh, continuing to be nasty. We're going to talk about Sydney Axney and her disastrous campaign where whoever they're getting information from on what the voters want to see in advertising and messaging is so hysterically wrong that it's, uh, it's generating these results that are, are hard not to see. She also is debating tonight against uh, Zach Nunn, who's a militarist neocon wannabe from, I believe, Drake University, or he's a local. He's in the uh, legislature in, in the state level. Uh, running for Congress. We're also going to talk about Axne and some of uh, the extremely valid insider trading allegations that have been levied against her. We're going to look at a killer cop out in Cedar Rapids, talk a little bit of electric vehicles versus trucks. There's some local coverage on that. A little about the uh, who counts the votes, the vote tabulation, and uh, some mild pushback in the register today on the city council meeting this week where they refused to even talk about doing anything to protect women's health care rights. We're going to get into it. Thanks again for joining me. Hope you enjoy it. All right, we're going to go first to the Liz Lenz bombshell. Now, Liz is a writer from, uh, if I remember correctly, she had a controversy when she was a columnist with the Gazette and was fired. I'm not going to look into it because I don't care. She's now, uh, she's a multi-time author, if I understand it right. She's often uh, syndicated in major publications like Today in Politico. Um, she, she's had her share of political controversies. She's typically a staunch Democrat. The Franken campaign, which is, uh, what I, from what I can tell is run by a trio of, uh, of Franken, the CJ Peterson guy and, uh, 
Schlutten, who the the Sioux City guy that ran against King, who is running uh, right now, he's running a race, but he's unopposed, so he's dedicating his uh, time, you know, his advisory time to Franken's campaign. Now they, for whatever reason, it's a hilarious oversight. I mean, knowing Liz, I mean, she's a she's a way better writer than me, but I'm not trying to criticize her, but she's feisty. She's uh, staunch feminist. She'll usually attack. Uh, she 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 writes kind of divisive articles that divide the working class on like gender lines and stuff like that. And she'll go at you for, for anything, uh, anything related to, uh, women's rights, rightfully so most of the time, but she, uh, is not the person that I'd bring along on a campaign ride if I were someone like Franken, (laughs) but because she's not really part of the establishment media anymore, she's independent and she doesn't have to follow the line. One of the most remarkable things about Mike's campaign is that he's been able to evade for the vast majority of the time, certainly throughout the entire primary in the first six months of the campaign here, really any critical pushback from mainstream media at all. There's been no questions about who he actually is or what he did to rise to prominence. We obviously know he's a Navy guy that claims that he quit. He's like an anti-Trump colonialist, basically, is how I would... I would summarize them, but Liz did the trick and she got herself embedded with the Franken campaign and writes a nice, it's a really good story. It's written in narrative format and she puts the reader right in the seat of the car with Franken as he's crisscrossing our 99 counties. Let's go. This is Liz Lenz on Mike Franken. Uh, Franken is the kind of folksy rough around the edges candidate that could be perfect for Iowa's mostly middle of the road voters. Previously, Grassley has been able to make his opponents seem too slick, too DC affiliated, too big city and condescending for a small state ruled by the laws of big ag. But Franken isn't particularly slick. And at times that can look like an asset. It's also a liability. Franken is usually ready to tell an off-color joke and often unfiltered to the point of concerning AIDS. Now, after the allegation, those qualities are looking even more like a liability. After a 37-year career in the Navy, including time leading Operation Enduring Freedom in the Horn of Africa, Franken resigned because Donald Trump was elected and decided to run for office again, he said, after the January 6th insurrection. I forgot to mention in my intro that I wrote a few jokes about the campaign tonight. Uh, I'm sorry, the uh, debate tonight of uh, what I would actually ask. It's obviously uh, being moderated by KCCI and PBS, so they're not going to I mean, focus on anything but wedge issues. But I wrote a few debate questions that I would ask if I were a moderator, which I hope are funny, but they're probably not. Uh, it's also kind of dubious to claim Franken. I know Franken says he resigned because of Trump, but I know, I mean, his career, his service lines up like six or seven months. There's an overlay between him being the commander of AFRICOM and Donald Trump's presidency. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I've looked into it pretty extensively and I'm right. Continuing here, Franken's quick with a wild drinking story. Once he, this is where she totally sells him out and it's funny. One, he told me, as we were driving to a campaign event was about the last time he got seriously drunk was in 1983 as a Navy officer in Bahrain. As he was telling me the story, J.D. Schlotten, that advisor and candidate I mentioned before and current campaign political director who was driving, looked up in the rearview mirror of the black Ford Explorer, 
Schlotten ran twice against former Iowa Congressman Steve King, who has a history of making racist remarks and is now running for an Iowa House seat in an uncontested race, so he's helping Franken's campaign. Schlotten has heard the story before. But still, his eyebrows raise in the rearview mirror. He got so drunk, Franken continued, he passed out at a picnic with a piece of goat meat in his hand. When he woke up hours later, he had to report back for duty. That's pretty funny, actually. So he walked the long walk back to the ship, and when he got there, his executive officer looked at him and said, Mr. Franken, yes, sir. Would you like to put shoes on? And that's the punchline. I mean, okay. So that's the, the type of anecdote that the, the media is typically kept out, and it's really not that bad, but Liz would be the type of writer that would write something like that. Uh, but it's good. The public needs to know these things about uh, some of our candidates because he's been shielded. We're going to get to the more important stuff here other than just youthful, drunken shenanigans. I'm keeping hydrated today because my, my voice died at like 45 minutes yesterday. I'm trying to prevent that. Okay, in addition to the story about Bahrain on our ride-along, he told me he met his wife when he and some Navy buddies crashed a garden party in California on motorcycles. He was suspended from high school for skipping to go to baseball games. He told me a story about going to jail at 14. He was in a car full of teen boys on their way home from church roller skating party from a church roller skating party and drinking beer. When they got pulled over, Franken told the rest of the boys to hide the beer in their coat sleeves. Not everyone got the message, and when the boys got out of the car, empty cans tumbled out too. But Franken has been able to hide four full cans up his sleeve, and no one patted him down. When he got to the holding cell, he opened the beers and passed them around to the other guys in the jail. That's a good story, honestly. I'm never going to like Mike Franken, but that like, likes me, makes me like him like 1% more. It's funny. Okay, now this is the part that's, that's unique because the, uh, his former campaign manager filed this police report, I want to say in April of 21, or am I right? I might be wrong. It was, a, it was a long time ago, and I'm assuming one of these opposition, opposition research folks that Grassley hires had dug that up, I mean, because the names of all these campaign managers is fairly easy to look at and did some type of cross-search with the police department, found this report. Even though Franken's name is redacted, it's obviously she's referring to him. And then they sat on it till the day last month where Al Franken, no relation, from Minnesota, the Democrat that was also shamed out of office because he's a, a sex pervert, endorsed Mike Franken using, you know, corny jokes about them sh sharing a surname. So they drop that to a right-wing blog the day of that endorsement. It becomes like a two- or three-day firestorm. A lot, of, uh, a lot of the libs, honestly, came out in staunch defense of Franken. But uh, the, the accuser, the person who filed the police report, declined comment in all their columns until Liz was able to speak to her and a couple other anonymous sources. And uh, we'll get to why they're why they had to be anonymous in a second here. Okay, but this is going to be from the the woman that accused her former boss of Mike Franken of making this advance on her. In a statement sent to me over text, Strope Bogus told me, quote, anyone who knows me knows that I'm honest to a fault. 
Mike Franken kissed me without my consent. It happened. And now, again, without my consent, I am being mentioned by both sides as though I am a disposable pawn in the political machine. I hope we can all take a step back and look at how we treat women who come forward and how we react to their stories. What happened to me and what is happening now is not my fault. It's his that has always been and will remain the truth. Pretty straightforward. Believable. And uh, she's correct. She has been, uh, is being used by both sides of the machine as a pawn. And you got to feel for this lady. And one of the main reasons why it's completely believable is she knows uh, this woman, from what I know, is a longtime, you know, professional activist with the Democratic Party all over the country. You get your name in a, a Google story, a, a story that's indexed by Google with your name in it. You've pretty much destroyed your career as a professional operative for the Democratic Party anywhere. So not sure why she would intentionally sabotage that to help the Grassley campaign. That doesn't add up. That doesn't stop a lot of liberals, including the spokesperson for Franken's campaign, for levying that allegation. It's kind of wild. Liz goes on. She's tracked down other folks who had said they had worked for Franken who back up the accuser and her allegations. A woman with knowledge of the incident who was granted anonymity to avoid retaliation from Democrats in the state concurred in this estimation of Franken, compared the allegations against Franken to the allegations against Joe Biden when women accused the then vice president of behavior that made them feel uncomfortable. She noted that Franken frequently crossed boundaries with women, kissing them on the cheek and hugging them. Another person who was experienced, who has experience working with Franken and was granted anonymity because she also feared political blowback from the Democrats confirmed this behavior. It's really uncomfortable, the person said. Now, in response to these descriptions, Franken's campaign manager, Julie Stotch, wrote in an email. There is no news in these anonymous statements. The only allegation described weeks ago in a Republican blog is false and was found to be unfounded by two separate law enforcement entities. Many Iowa Democrats are coming to his defense. Pulitzer Prize winning writer Art Cullen defended Franken, calling him innocent until proven guilty. Cedar Rapids Gazette columnist Todd Dorman called the story a political hit job and argued that while Franken may be damaged, more women would be damaged by Grassley. I mentioned this gentleman yesterday who's again a voice of reason. Ross Smith, former state rep from Waterloo and a former Franken staffer who got national headlines for his advocacy for meatpacking and food processing plant workers briefly launched a bid for governor before dropping out earlier this year because he doesn't think the state Democratic Party aligns with his values anymore. Smith, Smith also worked for the Franken campaign but quit after the primary because he was tired of Democratic politics in the state. Smith says, we are the party of we are not like them, Smith said, rather than dealing with this is who we are. There you have it. They're eating their own again. Don't blame me for having a chuckle. Liz Lenz just dunked on the libs. It's hilarious.
Let's move on. Hey, I got a caller. You got to be kidding me. First caller, KJ, good friend of mine. I We covered a certain uh, police officer yesterday who I'd love to talk about. We could make this like a hit segment. I'm going to take this caller. KJ, you're on the air. You want to say what? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, you're on, KJ. All right. On. Thanks for calling, buddy. Yeah, it was funny, because I was just reading that political article the other day. And when you said they're eating their own, I was like, yeah, geez, isn't that what Democrats do? Every time, right? It seems like it. They were uh, running hit pieces on the uh, on uh, Dejir, like in the in the winter. Remember that they were calling her like irresponsible with her money. Yeah, yeah. It's. I, I think if they expect to be able to win at any time. We're going to have to get behind and, you know, I don't necessarily like to get behind liberals like that, but uh, a lot of them are just, like you said earlier, like just these middle of the road voters who are actually, you know, conservative Democrats. Exactly. They keep trying to, it seems like they're, they're trying to court those folks who may or may not exist. And that's why I'm really, really just Axne is really grinding my gears because that's how she is portraying herself now as, I mean, someone that you could vote for. It's safe to vote for me. I'm a woman, but I'm a white woman, so I'm safe. And I love cops. I love our law enforcement. Doesn't it seem to you like she's going out of her way to antagonize like her most vocal critics or the people that would raise the biggest storm about that, that, that type of messaging? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, but I mean, isn't she pretty much guaranteed the Polk County vote? <laughs> it was pretty close. The last, uh, in, uh, in 18 and 20, it was pretty close. It was a couple thousand, honestly. She only won because of like certain neighborhoods in uh, West Des Moines, like overwhelmingly went for her by a couple thousand. Oh, wow. If I remember. And she was running against Dave Young, who was kind of unpopular at that time. <laughs> He's always been kind of unpopular. But no, I, your uh, today. I You listened to the show yesterday. I appreciate it. I, got, I appreciate your subscription. No, not a problem. Not a problem. I like I like the, the idea of reading the register. <laughs> Just going through some things. I was thinking about changing the name to reading my own newsletter and then uh, having to write more, but that's so much more work, you know? It is. But yeah, keep up uh, keep up the good work. Uh, let's see. I I might call back in when you start, uh, start your work on uh, that Cedar Rapids cop. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll bump that up. It's a, another sad story. I want to have you on as a guest at some point, whenever you're tired. You work from home still, right? You're, you have oh, yeah. some uh, time to speak, obviously. I don't, I'm not going to share this in case uh, you don't want anybody to know it, but there's a specific thing about your high school career and someone I talked about yesterday that I think uh, the public might be interested in. It might be, we can make it funny. <laughs> My high school career? <laughs> do you know who I'm talking about? I don't did think you, I do. Uh, did you go to high school with Paul Parizic, KJ? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I sure did. I think uh, we might be able to have some fun with that because I, was, I, I talked about right. him for like 45 minutes yesterday. It felt like. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. My goodness. That, that, he was all that over the news. Guy. I couldn't help it. 
that poor guy just you know i as a as a man i would like to say that a lot about me changed since high school of course but, of course. but not necessarily to the detriment of a whole community of citizens no, no. Yeah. Unlike him. Yeah. I'd say you'd gone in the opposite direction where you've uh, volunteered and demonstrated a tremendous generosity where, you know, we all know what he does. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, sure. Yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about that later. Yeah. We'll, we'll uh, hook up a specific time and I'll push it. I bet people would be interested in hearing that. I know we've had, uh, talks about that over over the campfire and a few beers and had some good laughs so that's got to be something we should share with folks you bet you bet well i'm gonna leave you get to get back to it uh i'm enjoying what i'm hearing so far so hey i appreciate the support my friend it's nice of you to call in and thank you very much i'll i'll move it along here for you i'll bump up that one you're interested in all righty see you i'll see you later Thanks, KJ, for calling in. That was not uh, scripted, I swear. He's a good friend of mine. We just uh, had a good camp out last weekend with uh, his family, his dog, his three dogs, which are adorable. They're the kind of dogs that I'm glad you can uh, send home with your friends after you enjoy them, you know? Kind of like kids sometimes, you know? All right, so that was a bombshell from uh, Liz Lenz. That's... She demonstrated some courage there because, uh, as was pointed out in her article, most mainstream voices in Iowa that have a platform uh, took the angle that it was like Republican disinformation or from, you know, just going out of their way to smear the victim and abandon the uh, Me Too kind of uh, philosophy that they once embraced. So that was great. Gross. Sorry. I was paying attention to uh, all of those who firmly jumped to his defense. I feel bad that this is who uh, we're left with on the ticket here against uh, someone like Grassley. What's there to say about, you know, it is what it is. Now, Sydney Axney, as KJ and I jumped into quickly there, is running this strange campaign where, like both of us kind of agreed, she seems to be going out of her way to antagonize her most vocal critics or try to outflank Zach Nunn, who's, like I said, an extreme neocon militarist type dude on, you know, who's more xenophobic, who actually wants to defund the police and embrace those radicals. And then your typical wedge issues. Uh, Somehow this mailer that was put out ties him to the January 6th insurrection and he downplayed it or some to something to something of that effect uh strange so this from the media or the i mean i'm talking the general social media response gets tons of negative uh feedback i don't know what the hell her campaign is doing and it drove me to kind of look up who's running the show there who's making decisions on behalf of this and she has her typical you know, career professional liberals that bounce around the country every campaign cycle and grab their money with all their wonderful election innovations. Uh, You know, you can't put all of the campaign messaging on that one person. 
actually is spending the you know hundreds of thousands of dollars on these national messaging firms who conduct what I'm assuming is they're conducting polls. I don't know who they're talking to, but they're polling data and what, whoever they're talking to and the feedback they're getting from people in Iowa is incorrect because if they're tailing their message to that type of uh, it, data, that would actually kind of explain why it's so deaf uh, looking. It's it's just not uh, her advertising campaign. She's running one for the next week that's mocking Zach Nunn for the, some type of baby monitor, monitor controversy he had in college while, again, just <laughs> defending. Oh, that's right. In this recent ad, she's mocking Zach's baby monitor controversy from Drake when he was apparently using one to spy on a political rival, which is funny, but you know, that's kind of like a Rob Zan type joke, which runs its course after a day. And then she goes on to say that she was cleared by a bipartisan ethics committee about insider trading allegations, which is true. Okay. But that's a spin. Um, If you recall, Earlier this year, the New York Times uh, published an article, not just about Cindy, but 97 members of Congress who either bought or sold stocks or bonds or financial interests that intersected with their congressional work or whatever committee they were on. Uh, For example, uh, Cindy Axney, while sitting on the House Financial Services Committee and engaged in a fraud investigation concerning Wells Fargo. And we all know how much that, that bank relates to, uh, you know, the job sector the, uh, in the financial sector of Des Moines. She was t- tasked with investigating Wells Fargo with fraud while she was making uh, l- large trades involving the company's stock. Now they'll write that off saying it wasn't actually me. I don't do my own trades. It was my husband. And the final one, if they have to resort to this, they'll say it's it's legal anyways. And they're right. Raising the question if Cindy Axney is uh, compromised and or if that's a conflict of interest that she's tasked with investigating bank fraud while, uh, you know, statements she makes publicly during those hearings can, can uh, swing the speculative price of the stock is absolutely an example of uh, insider trading, I would say. So uh, they claim, the campaign claims she supports uh, legislation to ban congressional purchases of stocks and whatnot. But you know how it is. They both do it. They're uh, all getting donations from the same people and uh, a member of the same club, which allows them to get away with that. If you recall, the same class, I don't believe it involved Axony, but uh, during the largest upward transfer of wealth in U.S. history, the pandemic, uh, all of the, a lot of members of Congress miraculously made highly beneficial trades uh, right when they heard news of the lockdowns being put into force uh, before they were announced to the public. So they get away with it because it's legal. It is what it is. The Gazette, I'm, <laughs> the register was light on juicy contact today. They're even going with a car accident headline as of uh, 1030 in the morning here. I mentioned the debates uh, there tonight. Let's read my jokes. This will be good. I don't want to move on too fast. Okay, so the debates are tonight on KCCI 
at seven and PBS. I don't really like political debates. I mean, everyone likes to treat them like it's the Nixon Kennedy thing where the not shaving or having a tan could swing the polls 10 points or whatever. I don't know. There's nothing really either of these. Chuck Grassley has been in the Senate since before my grandpa was born. So there's nothing really he can say that's going to wow me or swing me anyway. Okay, so let's say uh, Pete here is the moderator of the Franken-Grassley debate. The first thing I'm asking Franken is, giving a loose estimate, how many wedding parties did AFRICOM drone strike under your leadership, give or take a dozen either way? My second question would be, we know, Admiral Franken, that since the inception of AFRICOM, there have been at least 158 cases of sexual crimes, including rape, sexual assault, and abusive sexual conduct. At any time during your command, did you ever deny a sexual harassment allegation with the phrase, it didn't happen? And then, how many secret military bases does AFRICOM have in the Horn of Africa? I can't come up with anything regressively other than the corny liberal joke about his old tweet that, uh, what actually goes down at the Windsor Heights Dairy Queen, Chuck? If you don't get that joke, it's a good thing. All right, let's say I'm moderating the Axne Nun debate. I would ask first to Miss Axne, who hates the Chinese more, you or Zach? I would ask Cindy, is it a conflict of interest to trade Wells Fargo stock at the same time you're investigating the bank for fraud during a congressional hearing? And I would also beg Cindy to, uh, would you consider running a co-campaign with Zach Nunn in, a, in an alliance against the defund the police movement since, since it's such a common ground? And then lastly, to Zach Nunn, I would ask him, who would you nuke first, Beijing or Moscow? Like I said, the uh, Register's Light on Content, uh, Rika Basu had a editorial where she kind of gently realizes that there's no legislative hope locally as far as doing anything to protect bodily autonomy and women's health care rights. But, you know, she tried. She came out on the side of uh, the two city council members, uh, Indira Shoemaker and Mandelbaum, who made the mere suggestion that the city have a meeting to discuss how they could uh, divert resources from criminalizing women that seek a certain healthcare procedure. It was uh, shut down by the good old, good old boys club when seconds of being uh, even brought up. Ironically, uh, Joe Gatto, a politician used the argument that the motion was political and therefore uh, had no, no place to be discussed among that political body. Interesting argument, Joe. Uh, there's nothing really worth reading out loud in this editorial. But yeah, it's good to see. The Register at least tried to uh, push back a little bit, but came to the sad conclusion that since the state legislature is completely controlled by anti-abortion folks, as is the city government, there's nothing we really can do uh, on an electoral level 
but they'll never come to that conclusion or write that, of course. Let's bump up this story for my man, uh, KJ. I had brought this up, this one factoid up two days ago, I believe, about the Iowa DCI, Iowa Department of Criminal Investigation. They've been around for decades. If you pay attention to police shootings, you'll notice that every time there is a, uh, the police shoot someone, they all, you know, get on their heels and won't give any information and refer the investigation to the Iowa DCI and use that as an excuse about why they can't speak and cooperate to the media because of an ongoing investigation. If you look at it, the Iowa DCI and their entire history during one of these investigations that are given so much credence have never once found a Iowa police officer uh, used excessive force when they've shot and killed somebody. There's zero, 100% rate of clearing their their officers in Iowa. Uh, Even though the media and I guess the general public assumes that that's kind of like the unbiased body that would make a determination on whether or not uh, the officer was in the right or not. This particular clearance, and again, it's the same situation. It's the uh, city attorney in conjunction with the DCI uh, dismissing uh, any wrongdoing and justifying uh, a police murder in Cedar Rapids. The unique thing here is this specific officer, Bryson Geringer, This is the second person that he's killed in Cedar Rapids in the last six, seven years. Uh, He was involved in a high-profile case uh, in 2015 where he shot someone dead that supposedly pulled out a gun and uh, was about – someone that supposedly had pulled out a gun and had fired it, but it was later determined that that wasn't true at all and they had made the entire thing up. He got cleared. The DA at the time in Cedar Rapids was notorious for – you know, completely looking the other way with any type of police misconduct in the city. His name was uh, Jerry Vanderzanden. Cedar Rapids or Lynn County now has a new guy who I honestly had not heard of because I'm not keeping up every day on Cedar Rapids news, but this Nick Maybanks guy is following in the the proud tradition of uh, clearing state-sanctioned murder in Cedar Rapids. I saw the the body cam footage, there was obviously a conflict going on. It was highly editorialized to highlight that the victim, Mr. Rich, was holding a knife. They shot him four times and he passed away in the scene. Real sad. You'd like to think that there was another way since the rest of the developed world is able to handle that without uh, killing people in mass. You know the typical arguments against that? The whole blue crowd will come out and say, you have to shoot someone dead with a knife. There was no other way. And the person deserved to die. And that's kind of how this one was uh, carried out at an official level as well. But again, uh, Bryson, watch out there, Cedar Rapids. Cedar Rapids is notorious for keeping officers on the staff who have had multiple death, like they've killed multiple people. If you remember this guy named Lucas Jones, who was actually involved with uh, Bryson Garinger's first, first kill, also shot someone within this within that same year back in what like 2016 so uh they had their typical thing out there in cr the guy got put on paid leave now they all get to welcome him back give him a pat on the back for a good uh, job well done 
and uh, the sickness in our society persists. Paul Pate is talking to uh, the local news about voting machines. Now, what could go wrong with uh, talk about vote tabulators, right? This one is, uh, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. This is a great example of Pate being a guy that's consistently accused by the libs as someone that is intentionally uh, fucking with people's ability to vote and therefore undermining election integrity. But his job, of course, is to uphold election integrity. And he fights back uh, also using language and, and phrases that kind of undermine election integrity. It's an interesting battle the uh, Republicans and Democrats play with, like, who denies elections more. Obviously, the Republicans are more assholes about it or whatever. But there's some strange language coming from the Secretary of State in this article about upholding election integrity. Now, I have no doubt that these voting machines work and some smart engineers have made them so they can count the votes accurately. Uh, elections in the United States are not the most transparent in the world by any means. They're actually rather opaque. We just saw the uh, election in Brazil, which is another backwards neoliberal hellhole, just like we are, but they were able to tabulate and uh, publish and completely certify their election results within the same day. And being here in Iowa, we know all the, the disaster of uh, how the, not only the Democratic Party handles elections, but the problems that come with the QAnon folks who deny elections and also the problems that come from the libs who claim that the Russians have secretly brainwashed Iowans into becoming a red state. So let's go with this one. Election officials begin testing ballot machines for midterm elections. The midterm elections on November 8th are speaking up and election officials are showcasing the work that is put in to uphold election integrity. Iowa Secretary of State Paul Pate was at the Polk County Election Office on Wednesday, where workers started the process of testing all vote tabulators. More specifically, the testing is called a logic accuracy test. Every single county in the state is conducting these tests ahead of the midterm election. The Secretary of State said these tabulator tests are open to the public and are designed to be as transparent as possible. Pate goes on to say, Worst thing can happen to us. The worst thing is that people don't have confidence or don't believe in election results, because if that happens, our democracy has fallen, said Pate. I don't want to sound like a crying wolf here, but folks, that gives the Russians and the Chinese, or anyone you want to talk about being bad actors, the big win without firing a single bullet. Pate reiterated that his office is pushing out information every day to combat the misinformation about election results that are out there. So if you caught that there, uh, he claimed in the first sentence of his statement that the worst thing is that people lose faith and confidence in election results. And then the very next election, that next sentence suggested that uh, foreign actors are manipulating our election results as a kind of a quasi-disinformation war. That uh, It's interesting. So, I mean, even suggesting that foreign actors are influencing our elections or have a big say in our elections is casting doubt over election integrity, Paul. Uh, 
So it would be it'd be better. I feel more confident if you said our elections are completely secure from any type of foreign influence and uh, the count will fall as it does and the best person will win or the person that gets the most votes will win, which is not always the case. Looking at you, Iowa caucus voters. The testing process is designed to be redundant to make sure that all the machines are calibrated correctly. There are specific testing ballots that are filled out in various ways to see if the machines recognize the error and give the correct prompt. This is done over and over again, waiting to see if a machine gives an incorrect prompt or miscounts a vote. That is from Who13. They've been doing some good reporting recently. That's, that's a, I mean, something people are interested in is who counts the votes, definitely. The scary part is there's a lot of people in this country, some of them violent, that uh, that seriously doubt the integrity of our elections. I think they're pretty straight. I think they, they count them fairly. These folks that are kind of like professional electoralists that work in uh, auditor's offices at the county level take that. You know, we love our elections here in America. They take that stuff so seriously and the paper trail and the legal consequences is so severe that, you know, you'd think it's on the up and up. What else do we have here? I bumped up a story. I talked about Cindy's insider trading. I think that's about all we got. We're going to cut this one up, guys. I had a caller today, which was my pleasure. Feel free uh, anytime I'm wrong or saying something stupid to jump in, anybody that's listening and argue with me or whatever. Uh, the debates, like I said, uh, if you're into that thing tonight, I'll probably watch the highlights or pick apart some of the uh, goofy things that I'm sure all four of them will say. And hearkening uh, back to my joke, I really wish that Axony and Nund would just agree before the debate that they stand together on almost every issue except for abortion and would run some kind of joint campaign. It would save a lot of money on on all these ads and consultants that they're uh, spending money on. It is possible to raise money for a uh, political campaign and then actually give back the excess to the, the community that you supposedly want to represent. I've seen it before. It's possible, folks. It's a good idea. I'll be back tomorrow, hopefully earlier. I keep saying that. We'll do it live uh, sometime between 8 and 9 a.m. I'll aim for 8, as always. Uh, but again, this has been Pete signing off. I'll see you all in the morning. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.